welcome everybody to our last challenge of the semester. Tonight, uh, before we begin, I know that you guys are about to wrap up your classes and are about to move into studying for finals and final projects, and so the level of stress in the room might just be a little bit higher than your average week. Um, so I was thinking uh, what we do for a second is why don't we gather in groups of about uh, three or four around you and just take a minute um, to be able just to pray for each other for the, your, your health as you enter into finals week and uh, studying for all your finals and then just be able to have alert and receptive hearts for tonight um, on what we're going to talk about. So take a minute to do that and then I'll pray and wrap us up here in just a second. So feel free, if you don't have to pray, if you don't want to, you can just turn to the person next to you and pray with them. So, all right, go ahead and do that. Father, we, um, we are very, very grateful that you are in control. Um, the more we get to know you, the more we are convinced that you are the most qualified person to be leading this world in our lives. And so I pray, God, that we would really um, put our trust in you. God, may the students really be healthy. May they work really hard at studying for their finals. May you give them a mind to work and to really be able to understand all the material that they're going to be going over over the next couple of weeks. I pray they do really well in their finals and enjoy it. And I pray tonight, God, that you would really um, allow them to put a pause on that and to really just have um, alert and open and receptive minds and hearts to what you would want to say to us tonight. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 1 18 through 23 says this, says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Uh oh, can you imagine if you're Joseph? Um, because Joseph, her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, 
because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Is that door open over there, by the way? Sounds like it. One second. It is. <laughs> no wonder I could hear the street outside. Um, all right. Well, I'm back. So that prophecy of Isaiah's was, was a prophecy of Isaiah, and that was given over 700 years before um, it was actually fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. But 700 years later, it was finally fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. And he was called Jesus because of what he saved us from, which was our sins. But he was called Emmanuel because of what he saved us for, which was to be with him. That's why Emmanuel means God with us. See, in our Western culture today, whether you're a Christian or not, um, one of the things that's really prevalent during this time of year is there's lots of food, way too much food, and there's lots of decorations, and there's lots of presents. And that's a fun thing. I mean, in Christian circles, particularly when you look at nativity scenes and things like that, there's always three presents that get emphasized. And those are the three presents that the wise men bring to Jesus, which they didn't actually bring to baby Jesus. That was about two years later, but that's beside the point. Um, but what were those three presents? Does anybody remember? Yeah, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's right. Now, while those gifts were amazing, um, we're not going to talk about those tonight. Um, but what I want us to talk about instead, instead of talking about the gifts that were brought to Emmanuel, what I want us to talk about tonight are the presents that Emmanuel brought to us. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1.3, he says this, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How much spiritual blessing? Every. Not, not just a little bit, not just a lot, but every spiritual blessing in Christ. Like, that's hard to wrap your mind around. Like, every spiritual blessing? If you think Santa's bag of presents is deep, Christ is a lot deeper. In fact, he says in Ephesians 3.8, Paul goes on, he says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. How many of you guys know what the word unfathomable means? You probably don't use it on a regular basis. What, is, what does it mean, Victor? Yeah, it's out of it. <laughs> ah, I, don't you love it when you use a word? And it, yeah, John, yeah. Oh, there you go. There are our little nautical expert here. Um, yeah, it's. It mean uh, one definition means incapable of being fully explored or understood. Or another definition is impossible to measure the extent of it. So what Paul is saying here is, guys, the riches of Christ are so deep and they're so vast and they're so wide and fully unmeasurable and fully and unexplainable. And yet I've been called to explain the unexplainable. Like that's what Paul's job was. And so that's why you see in so many of Paul's prayers to whether he's recording prayers that he has in his letters to the Ephesians or other churches, he doesn't pray for the different Christians that he's fallen up with. He doesn't pray that they would get something in addition to Jesus. He never prays that. Instead, what he prays is that they would more fully understand and more fully appreciate and more fully utilize all the presence that they have in Jesus. In other words, we don't need another treasure 
mine to mine. What we need is to fully mine the treasure that we have in Jesus already. And the reality is, if we started a weekly message series, guys, where we covered a different gift that we had in Christ each week, by the time that our freshmen were graduated, we'd only be scratching the the surface of that series. But we're not going to do that. Instead, tonight, I just want us to talk a little bit about, just to whet your appetite with seven of Emmanuel's presence that he has brought us to earth for us to enjoy. And so to help me attempt to describe the indescribable and to add a little drama to it, since it is Christmas season, um, I've, I've recruited seven volunteers, seven of our freshmen right here up in the front, and they are going to, uh, at different points, unwrap a different present and Vanna White it for you guys here and, as we talk about it. And we're going to talk about different ones. So without further ado, if you have gift number one, can you stand up and unwrap it and show the audience? I hope that's not the one that explodes. <laughs> the amazing wrapping was done by my wife and daughter, not myself. Oh, there you go. What does it say, Luca? Oh, there you go. Love, yeah. Love. So that's the first gift. It's through Emmanuel that we learn what love really is, and it's through him that we have access to this kind of love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And and 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I have three kids currently. I have one on the way I'm expecting this summer. And um, that's right, my little wife slipping that in there. Um, but so far, I only have one boy, and I love that boy a lot. Um, he is William, he is six years old, and he is awesome. And, you know, among the many reasons why it's probably a good idea that I'm not God, this is one of them. Because if I had to choose between my son and the rest of the world, I'd be tempted to say, let the world burn. You know, but God didn't do that. Instead, he chose to send his only son so that we might have a restored relationship with him. And not only did he do that, but we as humans, we had, we had nothing that God wanted or God needed. We had nothing that he needed, and, and we weren't even apologetic when he died for us. And yet he still chose to send his only son to give us a second chance at life through him. And not just when we get to heaven, but eternal life right now. Because eternal life, guys, is not a destination it's a personal relationship with the God who made us. Speaking to God the Father, Jesus says this in John 17, 3. He says, now this is eternal life. So he's going to define it for you here right now. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's what eternal life is, guys. So if you're thinking, well, that'll start someday. It can start right now if you have a relationship with Jesus. And this gift of love that God so kindly offers us through Emmanuel it not only has the ability to restore our vertical relationship with God, but it has the ability to restore and to strengthen our horizontal relationships with one another. One of the first verses that I had our kids memorize when they were younger was 1 John 4.19, which says this, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And I had them memorize that verse because I wanted them to understand that the only reason Katie and I have the motivation and ability to love them well 
is because God first loved us. And that would be true for their relationships with each other as siblings, and that would be true for their relationships with other people. See, you cannot impart what you do not possess. Without this present of God's love, we wouldn't even know what love was, much less be motivated to love people anyway, or even know how to do it. But because we do have this present, we can actually have the ability to have deep relationships with one another and deep relationships with the God that made us. So that's Emmanuel's first present, love. Now, what is Emmanuel's second present? Can you stand up, please? It's probably a good thing I didn't wrap these because I'd put like way more tape than is necessary on these. That's my hallmark wrapping technique. She is the second prize. No, um, um, the grace of God. That's an amazing, amazing present. What is the grace of God? The grace of God is the unmerited favor of God that we need for literally everything. That's what it is. But what it does is it enables us to do what we could not do by direct effort alone. Now, one of the biggest things that it enables us to do that most people think of, and for good reason, um, when they first think of grace, is salvation. Can't do that by yourself. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. See, as we put our trust in God for everything, his grace saves us. And that grace can't be earned, it's a free gift that he gives us. But the gift of grace is not only needed to save us, it's actually needed to help us walk with God if we've actually chosen to step into his kingdom as well. Colossians 2.6 says this, says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Well, what did he just say in Ephesians 2.8.9? He says, by grace through faith. So then how do we walk with Jesus? By grace through faith. 1 Corinthians 15.10, it's an interesting verse Paul also wrote this, um, where Paul explains the grace of God and how it, it worked its way out in his life practically. And he says this, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, the gift of the grace of God in Paul's life allowed him to work really hard to become the man that he became to be. And that same gift will enable you and me to become all that we were meant to be as we cooperate with the grace of God. Because grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So grace is the second gift that Emmanuel brings us. Now, what is Emmanuel's third present? some high-quality tape right there. (laughs) 
freedom. If you can't read it from the back there, yeah, freedom. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said this to the Jews who believed in him. He said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anybody know where the last part of that verse is written on our university? Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's written on one of the uh, sides of the buildings of the philosophy building over there at Mud Hall. That, that last part of that verse, the truth will set you free, is actually inscribed not only in the philosophy building here at USC, but on many buildings and universities all over our country. Now, the significance of that phrase on many college campuses today is normally understood to mean that academic learning is the key to freedom. And while academic learning is helpful, and you all are paying a very high premium to get academic learning here at USC, um, real freedom is actually found in really knowing Jesus and his ways. Because see, Jesus is the author of life. He is the creator of reality. And he's offering the gift of freedom for free because he paid for it. Freedom from sin, freedom from empty pursuits that we chase all over the place, and freedom from selfish and fearful and lust-driven lives if we choose to trust Jesus and to become a student of his and follow him. And for those of you that have chosen to become a student of Jesus and become a disciple of his and follow him, you've gotten a taste of that freedom already. You get to know what that's like. It's kind of like if you've lived in the mountains or if you've lived in LA your whole life and then you finally go up to the mountains for the first time and you smell fresh air and you go, that's what that's like. <laughs> I thought I'd been smelling fresh air this entire time. And then you're like, that's what I've been living in? LA smog, you know? That, that's kind of what like, the freedom is like. Is you, people think, what, I'm free. Mm, you haven't tasted real freedom yet, my friend, if you haven't experienced the freedom that God offers. So freedom is the next gift that God offers us. Now, who has Emmanuel's fourth gift? She's ready. Uh, hope. Hope is so vital to life, isn't it? I really think the more I've thought about hope over the years, I really think in many ways that hope is to our spirit what oxygen is to our bodies. We, we won't last very long without it. And life in this world outside of the kingdom of God is a pretty hopeless one. But in the kingdom of God, we can really experience endless hope because we have a God that really loves us, who is our heavenly father. And we can trust his character and ability to take care of us as we follow him and live in his kingdom. In the words of Dallas Willard, one of my favorite professors here who taught at USC for many years, he says this. He says, the world is a perfectly safe place to be if you're living in the kingdom of God. The world is a perfectly safe place to be if you're living in the kingdom of God. The prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, 21 through 23, he says this, says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, God is not short on compassion or love for us. He's got a fresh supply of it every morning, no matter how bad the previous day was. If you turn to him, and so there's real hope in that. There's real hope in that. You know, during the time of the, uh, 
the Protestant Reformation, one of the main reformers, Martin Luther, he would go through various seasons of depression um, in his life, uh, partly because of just the intense persecution that he was facing from all of his adversaries. And so one day, his very sharp and very astute wife, Kate, um, noticed that he was kind of falling into one of those bouts of depression. And so she did something that was uh, very smart. She decided to wear an all-black dress as if she was going to a funeral and started walking in front of him. And of course, he noticed her and he says, are you going to a funeral? And he, she replies back and says, no, but since you act like God is dead, I wanted to join you in the morning. And so Luther got the message pretty quickly and it jolted him out of his depression because he was reminded of the truth that no matter how hard life is, if God is still alive and well, we have hope. If God is still alive and well, we have hope. The Apostle Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.3. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope from the dead. Our hope is not in a certain set of circumstances, but in a relationship with the resurrected Savior who is still alive and well today. And because he defeated death, if we put our trust in him and follow him, we can have hope that one day we're going to defeat death and have triumph over it. And we're going to spend eternity with him in heaven. But even before that, we have hope right now in this life because Jesus is alive and well. He's ruling and reigning, and he has invited us to live with him in his kingdom. And so there's hope to be had. So hope is the fourth gift that Emmanuel brings us. Now, who has Emmanuel's fifth gift? All right. What you got? Purpose. <laughs> Should have had them do a little more something embarrassing than that, but that's okay. Second um, Corinthians five, seventeen through twenty says this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing verse every single time I read that. I mean, not only did God give us a new, make us into a new creation, but rather than just make us into a new creation, just kind of leave us on the sidelines and then do all this amazing stuff by himself, he invites us to be a part of something amazing. To, and not only just to be a part of it, to play key roles in the greatest rescue mission of all time. Now, I'm sure there is a female equivalent to this, but as a guy, that like calls out something in me that as a guy, I'm just like, yes, all right. You know, like I want to be a part of something big. I want to be a part of something that is much, that goes far beyond just playing sports and watching movies. I mean, I like movies and sports just as much as the next guy, you know. But I don't want to just piddle my life away with just playing sports and watching games and going to movies and stuff like that. I want my life to count for something big. You know, I, I, I enjoy comfort. I enjoy happiness. But those are two small things to actually give your life for. 
But here, Jesus invites us to be a part of the greatest opportunity of all time. We get to be ambassadors for God and help restore a broken world back into an intimate relationship with the God that created them and with the relationships with one another. And we get to do that for all eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a greater purpose to give my life to than that. And the way that, that Jesus summed up in his final words on how we're going to do that, he said it to his disciples right before he ascended back up into heaven. He says this in Matthew 28, 18, 20. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a long way of saying I'm the big boss and no one else is in charge. <laughs> Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is doing something amazing in this world, and he is inviting you and I to be a part of that. Now, he could do all that much better by himself and probably much more efficient but he doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to use us and he chooses to allow us to be a part of this. Every day for God is bring your slow kid to work day, you know, and he brings every one of us, including me to that. And that's great. But we don't want to miss the opportunity to enjoy this gift and really utilize this gift of purpose. So that's Emmanuel's fifth gift. Now, what is Emmanuel's sixth gift? Who has that one? All right. You know, one of the things the host of angels said to the shepherds in the field on the night that Jesus was born was this. He said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know, peace is something that I think everybody longs for, but very few people have. It's so desirable, yet it's so elusive at the same time. And I believe a big part of that is because Many people don't know what real peace is or where it comes from. Oftentimes, I think people think peace is just the lack of war or conflict, like the 200-year, you know, Pax Romana reign of the Roman Empire, um, that at the time that Jesus was born had been going on for about 20 years. That's when people think of peace. That's a lot of times people think of like, oh, just lack of war, lack of conflict. But if you read much of the history of the Roman Empire, you quickly realize they did not have peace. They just had control. That's not the same thing. And yet, don't we often struggle with that same kind of thing today? We think, if I could only control all the variables in my life and all the people in my life, then I would have peace. And so we try to manipulate, we try to coerce, we try to control, which never ends up leading to peace anyway. It just leads to more conflict. But we think it'll work the next time. Or we think, okay, Maybe I don't need to be in control, but if I could just have really favorable circumstances and know exactly how my life's going to turn out, then I'd have peace. But the reality is, you're not always going to have favorable circumstances, and you're not going to know how life's always going to turn out. And even if you did, that probably wouldn't give you real peace anyway. So how do we get real peace in our lives? Well, that's a gift that really only comes from Emmanuel. Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. 
my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus offers us a peace in our spirit and in our mind that's not circumstantial. We don't have to be in control or know how things will turn out to have Jesus' peace. We just have to trust the one who is in control and who knows how things will turn out. You know, a good promise to memorize on this while you're studying for finals this next week, and it's a short verse, so you can memorize it pretty quickly, is Isaiah 26.3. It says this, says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So peace is another gift that Emmanuel brings us, which leads us to our final gift of the night, which is Emmanuel's seventh gift. Who's got that one? Ford? <laughs> Relationship. Relationship. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 says, He chose us, speaking about God the Father, it says, He chose us in Him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, with which He favored us in the Beloved. You know, it was always God's plan that we would be in an intimate, familiar relationship with him all the time. Before he ever created the world, he knew we were going to get ourselves into trouble, and he knew that we were going to need to be rescued, and he knew that we were going to need to be adopted. And yet he chose to create us anyway. So God sending Emmanuel in the flesh is his main way of reminding us that he desires to have a rich relationship with us. He knows us perfectly, and he wants us to actually get to know him. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God, who has called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. See, through Jesus, God bridged the gap between humanity and himself. He bridged the gap so that we could have a restored relationship with him if we would put our trust in him as our Lord and Savior and follow him. Now, all of these presents that we've talked about tonight they come from Emmanuel. But none of them can be fully enjoyed apart from this final gift, which is relationship. See, in God's kindness, he allows everyone on this earth to have a little taste of some of these gifts, even if they don't decide to follow him as their savior. But that won't last forever. But those that have decided to follow Jesus get to have all these gifts and more for all eternity if they will put their hope in Jesus and follow him as their Lord and savior. And those that have decided to follow Jesus, they, they've come to realize that Emmanuel's greatest present actually is his presence. Emmanuel's greatest present actually is his presence. You see, love, grace, freedom, hope, purpose, peace, all these things that we've been talking about, they have their root in Emmanuel himself. Apart from him, none of these things would even exist. His very presence is what allows things like love and grace and freedom and hope, purpose and peace to even exist, to even be possible. So if you've never begun a personal relationship with Jesus and this life looks like something you'd want, 
I'd encourage you tonight to really make that choice to begin to follow Jesus. And you can do that if you accept his free gift of forgiveness that he paid for you when he died on the cross. And if you believe that he really is God and that he really did defeat death and that he really is the most qualified person to lead your life. And then you choose to follow him as the Lord of your life. If you've never made that choice, I'd really encourage you Make that choice tonight. And if you have questions, feel free to talk to me afterwards or talk to one of the staff people because I'd love to be able to answer those questions. And for those of you that have a personal relationship with Jesus, I hope that tonight's message really helps you to further understand and to further appreciate and to really hopefully better utilize all the presence that we have in Jesus. So maybe a next step for you might just be to take some time just to review some of these uh, different presents that we've talked about and just thank God for some of those. Or maybe to look further into them or to study them or be able to look at some other presence that you have in Jesus. Jesus really is Emmanuel. He really is God with us. And there is nobody like him. So I'd encourage you, get to know him. Let me pray for us and then we'll invite the band back up to sing some more songs. Father, <clears throat> as amazing as each of those gifts are, God, none of those would be possible apart from you. So I pray that as people here are thinking, why, I don't know Jesus, but I like my life, that they would connect the dots and realize the only reason they even enjoy any aspects of their life is because of your kindness, because you're here in this world right now. But that will not be the case forever. And so God, I pray that people would um, in the midst of all the business and things they have going on, really do business with you and decide, are they going to really begin to follow you or are they not? And those that have chosen to follow you, I pray, God, that they would really not be tempted to look in other directions or Jesus plus something to really make them feel at peace or satisfied, but they would realize what they need to do is to more deeply understand and appreciate and mind all the gifts that they have in you. Because that is an unfathomable set of riches that we'll never get to the end of for all eternity. So thank you, God, that you are so multifaceted. Thank you, God, that you share your gifts with us, that you're so kind to do that. Thank you for sending Emmanuel, God, with us, to be with us in the flesh, to know us, and for us to know him. Let me pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.